Welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at more than 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion uh, with FSG's head of Sub-Saharan Africa Research, Anna Rosenberg, about the outlook for the continent in 2017. My name is Martina Bozajeva, and I'm the managing director for the MIA region here at Frontier Strategy Group. As a reminder, the research we'll be discussing and all our content on Sub-Saharan Africa is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your iPad application for FSG. Anna, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Um, Hi, uh, Martina. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you today. Perfect. Um, so before we talk about the recent developments in Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, could you just summarize for our listeners what the latest outlook for the region is all about? Sure. As you know, the past year has seen quite a lot of volatility. And the current volatility makes it quite difficult for companies to plan, to adjust their targets and pick the best markets to invest over the next several years. So our regional outlook on Sub-Saharan Africa, which is published every six months, looks at what's in store for the continent. It helps our clients plan ahead and adjust targets in this critical planning season. So how would you summarize FSG view on Sub-Saharan Africa in 2017? Well, for 2017, our headline view is that winners and losers in the continent will emerge much more clearly. The next year is going to continue to pose challenges to many markets in the region. And that's because um, global factors that we have seen already pan out since mid-2014, such as ongoing currency volatility, low commodity prices, and slow growth in large markets, and I'm talking about China, also to some extent Europe, will continue to put pressure on, on some economies. Now, these global developments are coupled with local developments, such as political mismanagement, And that, of course, is going to affect markets very differently. Countries that will continue to emerge stronger are those that have solid internal fundamentals and resilience to external shocks above everything else, really. But um, political leadership is also very important because it's going to be more important than ever for politicians to handle these economic um, crises and environments that we are facing at the moment. Markets that will perform worse are particularly those where politicians aren't adequately responding to navigating through the current tough times. Mm -hmm. So what are the business implications? What does it mean for client strategy? It means quite a lot. More than ever, multinationals have to revisit their market portfolio. They have to adapt country and sub-regional strategies to account for this diverging performance by market that I was just alluding to. Multinationals will need to drive maximum growth from underpenetrated markets and customer segments. And at the same time, they need to maximize efficiency and profitability from existing customer segments. So what we're saying is that multinationals have to adapt their strategy to also effectively serve priority customer segments. And of course, it still remains very important that despite these current disruptions, Multinationals remain a long-term investment horizon on sub-Saharan Africa because there's always a lot of short-term disruptions. But overall, the mega trends that are bringing sub-Saharan African growth in, in the past decades and are still responsible for that today are still playing out, even though we are seeing a lot of short-term disruption. 
Mm-hmm. And there are a number of global factors that are affecting emerging markets, including Sub-Saharan Africa. Can you talk a bit about the impact these will have on the continent? Sure. So many of the global drivers um, have started to emerge in mid-2014 that are currently affecting emerging markets globally. The obvious one is cheap oil and commodities. Um, While commodity prices will see some stabilization, we don't expect drastic upwards or downwards revisions anytime soon. That's simply because we still have more supply in the market now, and that is unlikely to change anytime soon. So um, our view for oil prices um, is they are expected to average about 42.5 to 52.5 dollars per barrel in 2017 and about 50 to 55 dollars per barrel in 2018. Prices for construction and investment-driven commodities such as copper and iron ore are also likely to remain in a quite a long slump over the next two to three years because of slow demand from China primarily. So commodity prices are expected to remain low for several years and that affects, of course, the commodity exporting markets in sub-Saharan Africa mostly. However, um, we're seeing oil importing markets specifically continue to benefit from cheap fuel prices. The second important driver, apart from low commodity prices, is ongoing currency volatility. We've seen this again play out since mid-2014, and it's going to continue to affect markets over the next 18 months. The currency volatility is primarily linked to uncertainty over the pace of U.S. monetary policy normalization. What we've seen is that the pace of interest rate normalization in the U.S. has slowed in 2016 because of global developments, such as, for example, Brexit. Um, But we think um, that this is going to change towards the end of the year. So in 2016, we're likely going to see SSA currencies stabilize at the current levels. However, a new new wave of depreciation is likely in 2017 once the um, Fed really starts hiking interest rates again. We're not expecting the same levels of depreciation as in 2014, but still we're going to expect quite a substantial depreciation, especially in markets that have been more affected by this historically, like Angola, Nigeria and South Africa. The final important driver, um, global driver that we need to look at is China's slowdown. GDP growth in China is expected to slow to an average of 6.3% in 2017, down from 65 in 2016. And by 2020, we're talking about 6% growth. And that, of course, has an impact on Sub-Saharan Africa because primarily it affects commodity prices and imports. So the slowdown will continue to affect the countries that have very strong trade links to China, such as Zambia. What we haven't seen, though, is actual investment in sub-Saharan Africa go down as of yet, and we don't necessarily expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. And what would be some of the the sub-Saharan African local drivers uh, that are going to be shaping the outlook for next year? So there are quite a few as well. Let me just focus on the most important one here, um, and that's going to be government effectiveness. Because the quality of governance will become much more significant in determining economic outcomes especially for countries that are struggling from current economic pressures. Countries that maintain political and social stability, as well as predictable and business-friendly and transparent policies, are going to be better able to weather the current economic pressures. For example, Nigeria had a very democratically elected government um, that has been focusing on tackling corruption, which is a good thing, but its slow pace of implementing reforms is worsening the currency and the economic um, crisis. 
Now, that's an important driver, of course, government effectiveness, and that is going to um, to highlight the resilient countries more than, than anything else in 2017. There are also other local drivers in 2017, such as ongoing erratic weather as a result of climate change that is going to affect harvest and growth rates of some markets. And another driver we're looking at in the report is rising business costs because some governments become more protectionists and uh, those are some of the drivers that multinationals need to watch. So these are the dynamics that are affecting Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole. How would West Africa fit into this story? So the region has faced economic headwinds since early 2014. Currency depreciation, low oil prices are going to continue to hurt major economies in 2017, um, forcing multinationals to maintain conservative targets for the region. And especially the big West African markets are going to suffer the most. Um, Nigeria, Ghana, no doubt about that. However, um, there's a positive story coming from the smaller markets in the region. They are doing fairly well, especially the francophone West African markets. Cote d'Ivoire, Cameroon and Senegal are going to see strong growth and they're going to benefit from overall political stability, which is going to continue to lead to an uptick in investment. We have seen a lot of firms move into those markets specifically over the past few years. And how does East Africa compare to that story? So East Africa has been the clear winner here, and it's also likely going to remain the winner in 2017 um, if the region doesn't um, suffer some political challenges and, and threats to its regional integration. So we have seen a, a very positive outlook, um, strong growth, strong government spending, strong consumer spending, and that has seen a lot of multinationals move into Kenya specifically and expand into the wi wider region. So competition is heating up there. Now we're seeing a threat um, by a potential sharp slowdown in regional integration because some governments are getting more protectionist and that could, of course, um, undermine some plans uh, by multinationals to use Kenya as a launchpad into the wider East Africa region. Despite this, however, um, I mean, a lot of this depends on a trade deal that will be signed with the EU in October. If it isn't signed, um, that's a reason to worry. But apart this, we are remaining bullish on the wider region. Mm -hmm. and, and what about South Africa, especially with South Africa looking pretty pretty grim still. Yes, so the, the story here isn't isn't much better than in West Africa. The largest Southern African markets will continue to face economic challenges over the next several months, but some are actually doing quite well. Um, now, South Africa and Angola are the losers here, of course, and the region's once fast-growing markets like Zambia and Mozambique will also continue to face challenges, primarily because of low commodity prices, but also because of internal political problems, so bad leadership here. But the smaller and more developed economies, such as Namibia, Botswana and Mauritius, will perform better as a result of um, stronger governance and consumer demand. And we're going to see greater focus by multinationals there. We have already seen that. Do you think there is going to be more multinational focus on Central Africa next year? No. Um, the region has been always one of those frontier regions for a lot of um, Western multinationals because in theory it offers a lot of attractive opportunities, 
because it has quite a large population size, um, especially the Congo DRC. But right now, things are getting worse, both from a political perspective and from an economic perspective, because the region heavily depends on commodities. And as the prices are low, it's not looking very good right now. And the Congo DRC is specifically going downhill as we speak. So we are not going to see a bigger focus in 2017, probably until things stabilize. Mm-hmm. So, so that leaves uh, markets like Nigeria still being quite important to multinationals. Uh, what can you tell us about the outlook for Nigeria next year? So the country still remains at a crossroad. We've been we've been saying that since um, since March this year, and um, because there, the, in theory, the country has a lot of positive fundamentals, but it is increasingly inclined towards heading into the wrong direction, and. Um, it, it's, it's suffering tremendously from the low oil price and its impact on the economy. It's made worse by a very slow government response to dealing with the challenges. And also we have seen a new security problems emerging in the Niger Delta. Um, so a new, new, various new militant groups have come up there um, and those have started to harm oil production, which is undermining government revenues. So the macroeconomic environment is going to remain subdued for the rest of 2016 and could potentially also hit a recession, a recession with very low growth expected um, to continue in 2017. Should the government hold its current reform process, particularly the free float of the currency, the country could face a more drastic downside scenario. We have a detailed report coming out in Nigeria, and I suggest our clients watch out for that one, because more important than anything, it's about watching what's currently happening to stay on track. Mm-hmm. Is there any good news coming out of South Africa? Well, uh, if you are optimistic, yes. But uh, if you look at the economic environment, not necessarily. But in South Africa, more than anything will depend, again, on, on what strategies companies implement. The economic outlook will remain muted. Um, GDP expected to grow by an average of only 1.1% between 2016 and 2018 per year as a result of both local factors and global factors that weigh heavy on the economy and show no signs of relenting as well. Um, We're talking about the typical problems, right? High unemployment, a volatile currency, political uncertainty and, and low commodity prices. Um, but the issue here is that South African consumers are very highly indebted and are struggling with the rising debt burden, given that wages are stagnating and unemployment is rising. Equally, companies are struggling to remain profitable um, because business costs for electricity and water are also rising. Nevertheless, South Africa remains a major opportunity and um, because there is still a lot of growth in certain customer segments. And so we have seen a lot of multinationals move into the market. And um, we believe that with the right strategies, um, you can still um, outperform in South Africa. And again, we have just released a report on, on, on exactly that issue that I suggest our clients watch out for. So... This kind of leaves East Africa and Kenya as one of the few areas, really bright spots in the region. Um, What can you tell us about the opportunities and also any risks for Kenya? So the country benefits from, from a strong growth trajectory, a large consumer base, a lot of infrastructure development and a very strategic position in the region, and which, as I mentioned before, has seen a lot of multinationals move into Kenya. So in theory, a lot of very good things, but Kenya always gets a little bit 
contentious ahead of elections, and we're facing elections in 2017. Um, and those are a real challenge, because um, if things get nasty, which could be at this point, um, Kenya's growth outlook is very likely going to be much slower in next year. And we're going to see more muted um, interest by multinationals to move into the region. The other big unknown, as I mentioned before, is around regional integration. The thing is that Kenya is um, a middle-income country and other markets in the region are not. So its interests are different from its neighbors. And that makes it difficult to um, agree on things like trade deals with the EU. And um, if that leads to a slowdown in regional integration, it could undermine, as I mentioned, um, our clients' uh, interest in expanding across its borders. So for now, we remain positive on Kenya, but it's a market that multinationals need to watch closely in the next few weeks, especially in relation to the political um, potential volatility there. Okay, very helpful, and thank you for that. Now, Sub-Saharan Africa has often been affected by short-term volatility, so this isn't new necessarily, and we at FSG have always emphasized to our clients that the growth trajectory in Africa is really one that is a long-term growth trajectory. So keeping that in mind, uh, could you remind our clients briefly about the long-term view? Why are they there, and what is the ultimate end goal? Absolutely. Um, the key thing here is that Sub-Saharan Africa is not an easily accessible gold mine. It has never been, but the region still continues overall on its long-term growth trajectory, despite the subdued global outlook. Um, when we're looking at growth rates, markets in the region remain the second fastest growing in the world, which is quite a, an important achievement if we see how markets are suffering globally, right? It's not just sub-Saharan Africa that is suffering from these developments. It's all emerging markets, with a few exceptions. The key question is, what is driving the positive outlook? There are a handful of megatrends that are responsible um, for socioeconomic development and while they're being shaped by the current environment, they are unlikely to be derailed by short-term volatility. Let me just highlight a few of these megatrends and how current developments are, are shaping them to bring this to life. So we are seeing economic diversification across economies. That is a trend that is particularly important now as governments in oil and commodity exporting markets are still suffering. Um, even though consumer spending overall has slowed, consumer spending from an increasingly large population remains a major driver of demand in the continent across every single sector, and that's not going away. Then there is the elevated interest from Western and emerging market companies, a lot of African firms as well, um, in terms of investing in Africa, because they are simply looking for new growth markets. And there are not that many left in the world. In Africa, there still are quite a few. There are other drivers that are contributing to improving the business environment. Most important um, is infrastructure expansion, which is still happening at a fast pace, and it's primarily paid for by high levels of government spending. Also, um, most critically, what our analysis has found is that while growth in previous years was primarily driven by the undiversified commodity exporting markets, such as Angola, the Congo DRC, and Zambia. Now the economies that are currently driving growth are doing so because they are more resilient from within. 
Um, the economies are more, di more diversified, politically more stable and less export dependent. So what this tells you is that despite all this noise, we don't just have the mega trends driving growth, we now also have um, sub-Saharan African markets that are more resilient from within driving that growth. And that tells us that long-term growth is to some extent also getting more sustainable, even though growing at slightly lower rates. So this concept of resilience is something that we explored almost a year ago now um, in our Resilience to External Shocks Index for Sub-Saharan Africa. I, I just wonder, as the months have passed and the effects of these global developments on Sub-Saharan Africa have become more clear, um, how would you see this index now and how should our clients be using it? So the Resilience Index is probably now more relevant than ever and should help our clients pick the countries to focus on for the long term. We created it because a lot of our clients were wondering about the impact of global developments on Sub-Saharan Africa. We wanted to know which markets would be better positioned from major global drivers, um, as the, the ones that I mentioned before, China, uh, sustained cheap commodity prices and ongoing volatility. So which markets would be better positioned to weather the, the slowdown there? We realized that countries with stronger internal fundamentals, such as greater economic diversification, large local market size, good governance, and less commodity dependence, were better positioned to recover faster than others from the current difficulties. However, what we have noticed now as well is that this internal resilience can also mean very little when policymakers implement the wrong policies that undermine business activity and confidence. So I would say our clients need to continue to use the Resilience Index to ensure they're doing business in the right markets in 2017 and beyond, but they also need to closely watch political leadership because actual market performance will depend on it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Anna, for this very detailed discussion of the outlook for the region um, and the very helpful differentiation, I think, between the short term and the long term. We should definitely keep an eye out for uh, where things are headed, especially in the context of emerging markets. Um, so I think with that, uh, we're going to close our conversation. If you have any questions or you would like to follow up in more detail with us, please reach out to your client relationship director, um, or you can access our research at um, our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. We wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets.